Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Conan and Dennis Steak will be with us in a couple of moments here, but we got a lot to get to on our show. Of course, a happy Veterans Day to everyone, so the bond market is closed, but uh, volatility overnight in China. We'll talk about that, and Singles Day is probably the lead story of the day outside of that general uh, Hong Kong uh, volatility. I guess $30 billion was, was not enough for Alibaba, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, Apple getting some uh, some hate, I guess we should call it, for their, uh, their Apple card, uh, Apple credit card there, some hate from a few key influencers on on that, we'll talk about Disney. How can you not talk about that? I just can't wait for Wednesday to come. So Disney Plus launches, and we can never talk about Disney Plus ever again. Uh, light on the earnings front today, but we do have a number of big names reporting later in the week. This is kind of the last big day uh, or big week of earnings season uh, for the year here. Our guest today, Ivan Feinseth. He's a partner and CIO at Tigris Financial Partners. He will join us at 8.35. Joel, what is the word here overnight? As I try to unmute you. One second. Joel, try unmuting yourself. There we go. Good morning, traders. How you doing on this Monday morning? We have the S&P futures in the red by 11 and three quarters handles. Uh, had a strong close on Friday. We closed at 90.50, but uh, peaked. Sunday night at 92 and a quarter, slow, steady sell-off here, pre-market low, 76.75. We can talk more about the technicals when Triple D comes on, but very, very tight range in the S&Ps last week. So buyers and sellers uh, coming together, a little consolidation, crude in the red by 59 cents at 56.65. Gold up a buck at 14.63.90. Silver in the red by just a little under a penny at 16.815. And Bitcoin loses 9000 It's down $105 at $8,740. Uh, Bitcoin uh, was supposed to be defensive. Uh, I don't know what it is. I, I think that's what everybody doesn't know what it is, how to how it's correlated. It's not correlated. We'll give you that. So but I don't know if it's defensive either. So, ah, come in and uh, China's destroyed. Not good news. No, no. And uh, the riots. Uh, is that so? Is this okay? So update me on everything. I see the FXI come in. It's down 2.1%. That is giving back. China's been on a little bit of a tear here is giving back over half of its gains here basically in one day. So of last week's gains, when we were up 4% in China, we're giving back over, over half of it being down 2%. Let's, uh, what, what's, what's the deal here? So Why it, are the riots uh, 
bring us down so much. Two, two things as best I can understand it. Okay. First of all, so they've been riding for months. We know this. Been protesting for months. Um, they typically protest on the weekends. Typically, right? Uh, this, these latest protests kind of spilled over into the work week. So that's number one. Okay. Uh, number two is police were using live ammunition, shot at protesters, uh, and two people are in a critical condition. So it got, wow. they got a little bit more violent. Wow. So obviously this is bringing down all your emerging markets. But direct hit is FXI with Hong Kong. But if you look, the EEM is obviously trading down 1.4%. There's a ton of these. You can look at VWO, which is going to be trading down. It's only down point or two cents right now, but there's no bid. So this thing's going to probably be down 1% as well. I mean, and obviously a lot of Chinese stocks are going to be down here too. Alibaba's trying to hold up. Obviously, we had a record single state. Let's quickly talk about Alibaba. I do have a trading position on that one, um, and obviously, I have long-term investments. So, uh, just let us know how single state went. It went well, but I, I guess it didn't go uh, quite good enough here. <laughs> no, I, I think I think it went. I, it's down only 0.3 percent when China's trading down okay. that much. I would think that this actually went very well. I would think this would have been way up if not for China. All right. Uh, the total sales surpassed 30, $30.5 billion or 213.5 billion won. Um, that sales growth rate is likely to fall short of estimates, but uh, still, I mean, that's a lot of money. But, and I think the, the main thing here is when it's an only train down this, usually it follows the FXI very closely. If you look at Alibaba, FXI put them on top of each other. Baba's have been outperforming a little bit here because singles day was coming. I think it was a good day. I think it's just a matter of everything's hit over there, so that's why it's trade down. Uh, so the, well, the bigger market bringing it down. Well, also take into account that the week that Alibaba had last week, right? You know, in in anticipation of Singles Day, uh, you ended. Let's see, last Friday at one seventy six forty six. Excuse me, one seventy nine sixty nine was your close on Monday. So we rallied over ten points last week. So the anticipation of the event here, uh, people played it beforehand and. Uh, now maybe taking profits I don't here. think so, because when J.B. Speck making the point, too, and you guys aren't grasping it here, um, I can tell I'm wound up here this morning, but FXI is trading down 2.1%. EEM is trading down 1.5%. BABA's only down 0.36%. This is basically an update for BABA, comparatively. So if you were putting this trade on, you always want to like leave yourself you know, hedged up. It worked. I mean, Alibaba is outperforming the index significantly. I mean, when you get the FXI down 2.1% and Baba's basically almost flat, that's an impressive day for Alibaba. So I think, um, obviously, you know, I'm long the stock. So, you know, talking my book, which I don't normally do, but I'm just my thoughts here is that this isn't that bad of a day here for it's Alibaba. It's not that bad of a day if, you but, if, if, stock- if we were going to come in and say that the EM or FXI was going to be down, uh, you know, 2, 2.1% the FXI. Would you not think BABA is automatically going to be down even more because the beta is high? So sometimes the FX guy goes down 2%, BABA will be down 4%. So whatever, you know, it's actually pretty impressive the stock holding up this well. So right. I, especially considering the run-up that you just said too. I'm impressed it's holding up. Still it's holding up well, but I'm just I'm just talking for the people that maybe bought it for a trade on Friday. You know, I'm not talking about... That worked too know. though, JV Spec yeah. saying that worked too because you would pair it up. Um, normally you would pair this up because JV Spec uh, saying the Baba EM trade, you're making money on that. Because if, if you were long the Baba and sh- short the. But that's uh, how you got it. Then this is what we talk about with relationship base. You got to take out the sure. market risk. 
So, you know, when you're trading this, this is stuff we're going to talk about next week. So just flat out buying Alibaba is gambling because you have the macro risk. When you pair it up, like JV Spec says with EM, it works. Yeah, so you if know. you did it with EM, you're up 1% on this right now overnight, just from the Friday. And if you did it with FXI, you'd be up 1.5%. It's a huge move from a Paris trading perspective. You got to hedge. Hedge. Uh, let's just see if I can go green today. I mean, it is on a relative basis holding up. Well, I just look at the close uh, from Friday, 187.16. That'll be if we go into rally mode in it. And then uh, the last two highs on Thursday and Friday were over 188. So keep an eye if you get back into the 188 handle. You had your two highs, 88.07 and 88.28. I'll give that is, uh, you know, now that we're trading in the red a little bit, I give that three-star resistance. On the downside, wow, you almost had matching uh, matching range days on Friday, Thursday and Friday. Parallels are 185. So that's going to be uh, – I'll look at that for the week, 185 to 188. Bust above 188, maybe make a run at 200. We break below 185, maybe get back some of those gains from last week. Okay, so light earnings day. We're coming out of the heart of earnings season here. But let's kind of just recap before we start going into more individual stories. I know we're going to talk Disney, Disney Plus coming. But let's just talk the overall market. And let's look quickly at the top 10 components because it's such a good exercise. I like doing this exercise on the Mondays as well because it gives you a feel for, you know, really, okay, you can look at the S&Ps and say, oh, yeah, we're down, you know, a a point here today on the SPY or, or 11 handles if you look at the futures. But let's just break down the technicals on the top 10 components quickly, because I think we have some time for that today, don't we? Yeah, and, you know, it's funny. I update my list on my front page, like, Mm -hmm. you know, every week or so, and I'm just like, you know what? I bet you Dennis might want to mention this today. So today uh, I did. It hasn't changed much in the the top. You still got Mr. Softy at the top. Let's see what Mr. Softy, if it's ever. Unbelievable Friday. Look look at that. Look at that consolidation. Breaking out. And we've been talking about this one. I mean, it's been a consolidation station. This thing looks like it's got 150 written on it. I mean, here's the market too. We're getting hit pretty good here. It's not even down as much as the market. So Microsoft has just been resilient, holding up. But people are looking at this to buy on pullbacks. This is a stock I'd be buying on pullbacks right now. If you're a trader, this is the kind of stock you want to own here right now. I don't, I don't own it. I wish I did. But on pullbacks here, this looks like it wants to go to 150. Uh, if you want to tighten it up here, what are we trading? We're trading, still trading in a 145 handle, not down much. Matching lows from Thursday and Friday, 143.75. There's your major level on the downside. On the upside, can we take out that all-time high and all-time closing high right next to each other, 45.99 and 45.96. So just be aware, above 146 there, you're in no man's land. Uh, Apple, give us the news on Apple here, Spencer. It's not earth-shattering news, but when the former co-founder of the company makes accusations, it should be noted. Uh, It wasn't just uh, Steve Wozniak. There were a few people that came out. uh, 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 David uh, Heinemeyer, or Heinemeyer Hansen, excuse me, he's the creator of uh, Ruby on Rails. That's a a big coding language. Uh, Him, as well as Steve Wozniak, came out basically critical of the Apple card. When you have a, a financial service that lends based on an algorithm and no one is quite sure how that algorithm works, uh, this is how this happens. So they, they criticized it for being discriminatory. Uh, I think Wozniak said he could borrow twice as much as his wife. Uh, and when it's looking at all these different facets of your life, it, 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 
that this is a possibility. So there's no transparency on these algorithms. There's no, there's no way we can say for sure whether it is or isn't discriminatory because nobody knows how it works. But uh, critical here of Apple's credit card, which is brand new, by the way, uh, for being discriminatory and uh, not being transparent in how they, uh, how they offer money. Sells off three points just Friday morning significantly, and within an hour, it's getting it back. And the stock closes right near the highs. The stock is still completely in an uptrend. Um, I expect dip buyers below here again. I mean, it's not even down, you know, significantly. Once you consider the market impacts and you consider betas, this is hard. This is just in line with the market as well. So I don't think they're really hitting it hard on the news. I mean, it's just a stock that's again, just like Microsoft. This stock has been this stock has been unbelievable. Like Microsoft has been kind of in consolidation station. This just been running, running. I don't know if I want to chase it up here. I own it in the long term portfolio. I'm very glad I did. You know, Jim Cramer says own Apple, don't trade it. I like to do both. I like to trade it and own it, <laughs> um, which I think is better. But anyways, it's been an unbelievable performer. Uh, not much to look at here. Uh, old time closing high on Friday at 260.14. Pair of highs just under 260.50. That's all you really have here in Apple. Little disappointed in the iWatch class that I went to yesterday. I'm, uh, you know, figuring this thing out. And uh, the people in the class actually knew less than me. So uh, I guess uh, I guess I know a little bit more about the watch than I think. But I'm getting it to work. Pair of highs, like I said, old time high on Friday, 6044 old time closing high, 260.14. Might have a little seller in the 260 area. Uh, let's move on to the combined third highest component, the Googster. I go with the Goog without the L, but I know the people like the L, so I'll do Goog L. When you and... add them up, is that where it is? It's still third? Yes. Got oh, yep. combined. Yeah, you said combined. Combined. Yeah. Uh, 13, 22, 65. This looks strong too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've just been running. Fang has been strong besides the Netflix rally, which actually has been okay too, holding up a bit, which we'll talk about in a second, but I'm still nervous about that one. I mean, you look at this chart on, I don't see any weakness here happening in Google. I own in the long-term yep. portfolio as well, but this has been a big performer here too for the last month. Uh, Amazon, a little bit of a laggard is late. I remember looking at the $1,800 level here. We're just hanging out for Amazon. Traded down a little bit in the pre-market. It's a victim of the valuation, though, because we've seen this trade and we've talked about the growth to value trade come on. And Amazon is still seen, obviously, as more of a growth stock and more of a high uh, PE, high beta stock. So it's kind of pooled in with you know the stocks that have been out of favor. So I think that's more the reason than anything. Yeah, I mean, major resistance. I mean, I'm not looking for a run back to 2K until you can clear 1850. That was the roof back in September. Um, on the downside, uh, Friday's low may come into play, 1774.04. But I, these $1,000 stocks and the wide markets, it's really, I think it's very hard to trade these uh, on a strict technical basis. Uh, Facebook hanging out here at 190. Had the earnings report. Has faded a little bit off the mm -hmm. earnings report. Uh, I don't know. 189.50. I'm not getting bearish in this thing until you breach 189.50. Uh, kind of faded off the earnings for this, but really uh, not in any trouble. Perfect number, Joel. I agree. 189.50. Because you go 189.70, the low from Friday. So a little double bottom in there. Yep. That's where it needs to hold. It's trying to hold in the pre-market. Let's see if it can take it out. I mean, you got some market weakness. Does this bot and does this area get bought? But that's the key level for me too. Here, still own this one. The long-term portfolio, not selling it, but one eighty-nine forty-seven is critical for the stock to hold. 
Uh, Brick B, uh, man, tried to make an all-time uh, all-time high last week. Uh, turned back at two twenty-three thirty-seven. Warren sitting on a wad of cash. I did read in Barons they're thinking about WBA. Uh, as a possible target, that's just from Barons. Is that Trey? They were well. They were talking. No, then they were talking about this the last couple of weeks. They've been talking about WBA potentially going. Was it wasn't it private Spencer? Yes. So and you saw the run up, and it's come back in. I mean, value stocks back in favor. CVS has been running. I don't mind it here. I think nope. you stop out at the low, 58.08, Friday's low. If you're trading on the pullback, maybe it gets a little pullback with the overall market here today. I don't mind the setup a bit. I mean, you have yeah. the run and you've come back down most of it. So as a trade, it doesn't look that bad to me. They were talking like 80 bucks. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you what Barron said. I'm not telling you. I'm surprised it's it. not trading up more if that was in Barron's. I know. But That's I guess this I... was already out there. So right. it is trading up on a down day because it's trading up 26 cents. But um, Yeah, and CVS yeah. had that nine run. Uh, it's nice the kind run. of stock I'd. If I'm trading, I'd be buying on a pullback or even <clears throat> buying here. JP Morgan, new all-time high last week, 131.29. Wow. It's almost 100 bucks where I told you the not to buy bank. it. Dude. Yeah, Joel. You're going to get it cheaper, he says. <laughs> you're going to get two bucks cheaper. I try to save two bucks. I missed 100. Maybe maybe a six-for-one stock split or something. Uh, you know what's interesting about JP Morgan, and we got the FinTech Awards and stuff, and just some of the stuff I've been reading out. They're working hard in that fintech arena. I mean, not only are they looking at the traditional ways of banking, they're they're moving forward. They're going to be part- participating in our conference. Uh, One thirty thirty eight. Uh, that was your old time closing high, down fifty cents from there. Right. Uh, that's your old time closing high. All time high. One thirty one twenty nine. That's all I'm mentioning is all time highs. Uh, Johnson and Johnson. I mean, if you want a headline stock to trade, here you yeah. go. That's it. Talcum powder on, talcum powder off. Um, let's see. This one, I know it's been in a range. I mean, it spikes down and spikes up based on that news. Uh, well below its all-time high. I don't know. This, this is really, for a, for a big cap stock, this does have some pretty wild ranges and pretty wild Just days. like you said, it's headlines that have been driving it around lately. And we've seen, obviously, the talcum powder issue. So there's still risk of headlines in this. I used to you know, make a little bit of markets and do some stuff, and I'm so scared Not of the headlines anymore. right now. I've taken it out of my system. So I think you've got other market makers probably doing similar stuff. So it's scary. It's a headline stock. You don't know what the next headline is going to be. Visa is snuck into that. Really? Uh, it's in the yeah. top 10? Yeah. Yep. 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 Visa has stuck in there. Uh, just consolidating near all-time highs. Uh, had to run up for October, early November. Just pulling back here. I mean, just consolidating near all-time highs. I mean, I don't know really what to say. I would 180.65, just like the market made a new all-time high on Friday. Then, you know, look for the – or not all-time high, but just look for the highs on Friday as targets. A uh, couple closes in the 178 handle. So keep an eye on that, uh, 78.43 and 78.97. So there you go for Visa. Not much to look at. PG, a little bit of a victim of the rotation. Yep. I don't know what hit it the other day. Rotation. Everything yep. got hit that day. That was like we're selling those defensive XLP components. You can look at the XLP that day. It had a really rough day there too. Even Coca-Cola was trading down significantly. PG was a poster child that everybody's, you know, sitting in, you know, safer spots and 
the market didn't want to be safe. So they were coming out of the market and the defensive trade came off significantly. You can look at the XLU that day that Johnson, XLU keeps going down the Procter & Gamble on that bad day. So you know what? I look at this chart on Procter & Gamble. I don't like it at all. I mean, if you think this market is in bull mode here, this is not the stock that a money manager is going to be piling into. And often you see a big move. You see three, four days where people are saying, okay, that's the bottom. And then see a continuation of the initial move. And that initial move is down five bucks. I think this thing could be at 114. Hey, take a look at that. Spencer, go to the monthly on this one uh, because you've had really no significant red bars in this thing going all the way back to uh, early 2018. I mean, I do see a few other red bars there, but so far this bar for the month is really sticking out to me here. That's a big red bar. You had this back in 15 and then you ran into a lot of red bars here, but you know, we still got uh, the month here. We still, you know, not even halfway through the month, but just, you know, be aware. I would look at the close from last month and you'll know, use that as a determinate uh, 124.38 that's how you ended October and the, what are the highs for the month so far the highs for the month uh, you snuck over that area 125.14 that was your high on the first so big 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 red bar so far working on the monthly candle Procter and Gamble Exxon Mobil haven't talked about it much lately Dennis uh, you know been moving up with oil here you've seen the hit a roadblock here I cost 73 major resistance yep. we're too far away to probably look at the book there but uh, three highs in a row Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday old 73 so no more ripping upside till you close over 73 in Exxon Mobil that's through the 10 components. You know what? They didn't look that bad. The only one I didn't really like was Procter & Gamble. Procter & Gamble. I agree with you. Hard and to it, get bearish here. When you go and you break down and look at the internals on the top 10 components, it gives you a really good feel. And I mean, Microsoft look good. Apple still looks good. Um, obviously, Amazon weaker just because of what we've been talking about, the rotation a little bit there. But Google, I mean, this, this top 10 components still look pretty, pretty healthy. So uh, despite today's sell-off, which, you know, we're going to probably get that CNBC or have a special run in here if we continue no. to sell off markets in turmoil because we're down half a percent but i mean this has just been an impressive run here and i think we're still by the dip mode so i'm what not getting about... nervous because of the protests in hong kong exactly or because of steve wozniak saying apple discriminated against his wife I mean, and apple's they... hardly trading down on yep. that too so but it's uh, something to think about what about um the tighter range last week. How about the consolidation of the ranges? Only a 34-point range last week. So, uh, you know, when you get periods of volatility, you calm down, you get in things quiet down, you get consolidation, and then you get another move higher or lower. The fact we had a 34-point range last yeah. week might, makes me put more emphasis on the weekly low. I don't think I'll get real bearish until we get below uh, 15 handles from here. Uh, we actually are, are – I like to do a weekly number. We are trading below that because we had such a strong close on Friday. So this 30-80 handle is going to be important, I think. Donald, today will be a little bit slower, but Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, can we work back up to that 30-80 area? Can we close above – uh, Friday's close at 30, 90, 50. So a couple factors working there, but uh, as we today, a little bit of a, a lighter volume day. Uh, Raz is piping up here about Tesla and. It's up again. Ah, yep. The, the, what about that Einhorn? Can we read that Einhorn letter? 
Was uh, that on Friday? Did, we didn't uh, talk about it on Friday, did we? No, because it, it was during. The, it was midday. It was midday. I want to talk. This is good. I actually read this letter to my wife, and she laughed out loud. Can we go find that Einhorn letter and just read I mean, it? Like, you know, like, I don't want to read it to you. You want to read it to you? Yeah, read it. It's only going to take you a minute to read it. It's hilarious. All right. I, I have to go it's through. It's fun to read. So not right. the Einhorn. So I want to read the Musk response to the Einhorn letter. That's what I want to read. Not Einhorn. I want to read um, Musk's response to it. So if you go on Twitter, Elon Musk tweeted basically – I think he's oh, he's not tweeting anymore, though. Well, okay. Well, I don't know if he <laughs> tweeted it or where, where he okay, sent it, but I read the letter, and it was awesome. Just yeah. just read it. I cannot put it in better words than Musk did, so you know how he likes to rub things in when he's right. So just Google Musk uh, response letter. Unicorn. He called him a unicorn. Which is, wait, you want me to read it? I've already found it. Yeah, well, well, I, don't know, I don't know what you want me to read. Which is the one that you want me to read? The, one, the Musk response. All right, I have to go in. Uh, so David Einhorn, just to sum up what he's responding to. Okay, so David Einhorn uh, yeah. uh, tweets. So, no, Elon Musk started, first of all. Uh, and then Einhorn responds, says, thanks, thanks for the shorts. Uh, no, no, no. You're, so Einhorn, well, Einhorn started it because Einhorn, Einhorn in his my bad. tweeting to his shareholders basically was saying, accusing Tesla of a basically almost cooking the books. Right, but I meant Elon Musk started the the – the, the one-on-one part of this thing because Elon Musk responded directly to David Einhorn. That's what we want to read. Okay. And, so read and then, okay. So dear Mr. Unicorn. Fabulous, <laughs> this is Musk to, Musk to David Einhorn. And this is on Twitter. Fabulous name, by the way. Uh, That's what he said. We read your Greenlight Capital Q319 investor letter in which you make numerous false allegations against Tesla. It is understandable that you wish to save face with your investors given the losses you suffered from Tesla's successful third quarter, especially since you've had several down years in performance and a sharp drop in assets under management from $15 billion to $5 billion. You have our sympathies. We also recognize your desire to feel somehow relevant with your Tesla short position at a time when your friends in the Tesla short community have been noticeably recoiling from the public discourse as the world is increasingly recognizing Tesla's contributions to science, safety, and a sustainable environment. Hold on, let me extend. I know, I haven't seen a lot of Tesla Q running through my Twitter account lately. So I agree with Musk. They have definitely, the shorts have been quiet there. Right, I had to extend the picture. Uh, to the extent that you have any desire to learn about the amazing progress the people of Tesla are making, I would like to extend an open invitation to meet you, to meet with me, to discuss Tesla and tour our facilities. For their sake, I'm certain your investors would appreciate you getting smart on Tesla. Finally, Please allow us to send you a small gift of short shorts to help you through this difficult time. And then uh, I love it. Einhorn responds, thanks for the shorts. They came with some defects, and I guess they're going to meet. I don't know. <laughs> they came with some defects. <laughs> That's a good response there, too. Uh, so we got some drama there. Einhorn versus, uh, obviously, Elon Musk. So it's always interesting when Musk... Uh, when Musk, he's very outspoken. You know, that's always what everybody's been critical of. But this was all kind of in, you know, just poking fun at the shorts. I mean, he's he blew it away last quarter. We talked about it. And it's, it was, it's been holding up. Here we are. We're trying to break out again. I mean, what is the short interest still on this, Spencer? There is people who are puking this out right now from the shorts. I'll tell you that. It's that's why you're seeing it just does not want to sell off. You know, 28%. Whew. There's a lot of people still short this stock, sticking to their thesis. And you know what? Once a company starts making money, there's a lot of holes in that thesis. So again, Jason Rasnick was on this show a lot of times. We've had a lot of people on this show saying good and bad about Tesla, mostly bad. Um, we've talked about it that I've always, you know, liked kind of the story to a certain extent. 
um, but I've never had the really guts to go out. I did wrote some putts and I played it yep. that way. I've never had the guts to really jump. I have actually had the guts. I bought it and then I've sold it because I'm just too nervous holding it flat out. But I mean, this stock has been an unbelievable performer here this year, um, really, at least in the last six months. And Raz has been right. It's kind of kind of tricky from a technical perspective because there's nothing up here. Um, you're taking out the highs from last week after the bull run. You're trading up in the pre-market. So I'm just going to say, you know, for the Tesla bulls up there, show me what you can do at 350, right? Here you are. You're trading at 340. You're trading up in the pre-market. Market's down. Uh, some news, not great news. Uh, to me, what I would like to see is – Boom, 351.50, pair of highs right there, another one at 48.80, just 350. I mean, there's nothing, you know, I can't give you a number when there's no number there. And there's no number there until 352, rounded off, call it 350. That's 10 bucks away. One thing that I kind of can't uh, wrap my head around is I was thinking about this with, with regards to Tesla is so one way or the other, right? Whether Tesla goes to zero or goes to 20,000. Right, and everyone has to test that one way or the other. It's going to seem extremely obvious after the fact that oh, that, sure. that was going to happen. Just like it seems obvious now that Amazon was like the best company in the world in the in the late nineties and early. Oh yeah, 90s. it's going to seem so obvious. Everything is obvious after the fact. Right, I know, and that's why it's funny. But it, but now it doesn't seem obvious. I mean, I look at where I was in May, and remember, I put the non-bankruptcy trade on, and Jeremy Newsom was on in this trade with me too, I believe. We talked about it, and I was like, I, I think, you know, I don't know what the story here is, but I said, I think if the stock went low enough, I think there would be a buyer. That's why I don't think it's a zero. So many people were saying on the media that it's a zero. I disagreed with that. I put the non-bankruptcy trade. I wrote the 120 puts. I got 20 points. I went out, I went out you know, 23 months. So I went out a long way, so I got 20 points. For the 120 puts. So, you know, the person that's buying that is basically saying it's got to go under $100 in the next 23 months. This was when the stock was $240. So, obviously now, you know, I've covered because of, you know, the stock has went up and I maybe should have never covered, but I was going to re-employ it and I never did. Redeploy it, I guess you'd say. And I never did. But, I mean, in a pullback, I'd love to write puts on this thing again. But I think this, is, this story is not going away anytime soon. All right, uh, let's uh, eight thirty. Uh, I'm not sure if any, maybe a little sell imbalances there, Dennis. I know they're coming out at different times here. Eight o'clock. They come out at eight o'clock. Eight, eight o'clock. Okay. Yeah, it's still on there. Nasdaq nine twenty eight. They don't give you a lot of notice on Nasdaq, but on New York, they come out at eight o'clock here now. Okay. General Electric hundred eighty two thousand to sell. It has just been a monster. Every single sell imbalance every morning is getting bought, and it just continues to run every single day. I mean, this has just been an incredible run here for GE. Again, poster child for you know lower. Lower, lower price stock or lower multiple stocks and, and laggards as opposed to child for how well the laggards have done in the last few weeks too. So that's why it's done very, very well. Heal Packard uh, has 50,000 to sell. I just want to mention it because it was a lot of headlines. I did sell my HPQ there a couple of days ago. That and was the reason move. I sold it, it was in the long-term portfolio. And the reason I sold it is I am nervous that they're going to flip this because the way yep. it's responding if Xerox keeps going up and they're looking like, oh, they're going to take us over, we'll take them over. I mean, if that happens, HPQ is going to be back down at $17. So I'm like, this is, I, I, I honestly don't think the favor came out and said that the offer was for 22. It does not sound to me like Hewlett Packard is interested in Xerox buying them. And then he was, they were saying that there was rumors before or talks before of Hewlett Packard buying Xerox. 
So I get nervous that they could potentially flip it. And that's why I sold it. There's too much stuff happening. I mean, it was a good gain, obviously. And I had a little run up there that day, the favors of the 22. And I was like, you know what? I'm booking the profits here because I'm nervous. I still like the story long-term, but I'm just nervous that they might actually buy Xerox. And then the stock's going back down at 17. I'm going to be kicking myself that I didn't sell it and redeploy it. So it gets back down at 16, 17. I would probably rebuy it. I don't know. I don't think this is getting taken over, though, in my opinion. Yep, and uh, Barron's was uh, echoing uh, the same thing, and it just was uh, it the twenty two ended up being it was some in stock and some in cash. So everyone that was buying it at twenty one fifty twenty two, uh, without the details of you know the actual deal out yeah. there, uh, didn't get such a deal there. But that was a tell that day that the rumor came out. Basically, it sold off the entire day. And XRX rallied all the way back. Yep. XRX in the pre-market that day was down like $33 and it ended up closing green. And that was to tell right there. It's like, there's no way there's the market, you know, as usually figures stuff out. And if you know, you got Xerox and pay a huge payment for the Packard, it wasn't going to trade higher. So that's what the rumor is out there or that's what the offer was. But I don't think there's any chance of Hewlett Packard. Maybe there's a chance, but never say never, but I don't think Hewlett Packard is going to accept that offer. Do we want to talk pot here? Uh, yeah, we do. I- Okay. Do we have time before Ivan comes on? or did Great day, we... Fort Friday. Yeah, quickly. One minute. CGC, yeah, yeah, great cool. day. You know what? The lagger trade's on a little bit here. I don't mind the pot stocks. On. I talked a little bit positive to, to positive on week. Friday show. Friday show. And then we popped up on Friday here as well. So you know what? I'm looking here. Kronos, a little double bottom. There's some life here. Now, again, I'm not saying jump and throw all your money in your investment <laughs> portfolio into pot stocks. because valuations are still nosebleed. But there is some life happening. So there's a potential trade here. Kronos, if I was buying it here, I would stop out at that double bottom, perfect double bottom, 786, 786. That would be my stop out now. So if I'm buying on a pullback this morning, see, because the market's pulling back, maybe get 835, 840, I would stop out below that 786. I do not want to see the thing make new lows. CGC, same story, getting a pullback, although it ran a little bit further. It's tougher, 1889, all the way up to 2168. But you know what? These things actually uh, showing a little bit of life. Friday, it was a little, first life we've seen from pot in a long time. And uh, just for you, uh, Kronos traders, uh, before the bell tomorrow, Kronos reports. So oh, you're really? Looking, yeah. Okay, well, maybe I don't do that one. <laughs> but uh, well, I have if bad looking, luck with earnings. Yeah, if, you, if you're looking for a catalyst here. S&P's hanging out near the lower end of the range. Our pre-market low is 76, 75. Just hanging out at 78 quarter, kind of a kind of a quiet uh, veterans day here with the bond markets being closed. But uh, let's, uh, let's talk to our guest here, Spencer. Who do we oh, have? We're still waiting for Ivan to join still us. Still waiting keep, for Ivan? Yep. Okay. So let's, let's keep going here. And I do want to hit, we do have a spinoff here uh, this morning. What are we on? Uh, uh, SunPower, SPWR here, is uh, spinning off uh, a part of its company into another separate publicly traded company. Uh, details here. Uh, they're splitting up. They're going to receive a $298 million equity investment as it relates to the spinoff. And they're spinning off a company that's going to be called Maxion Solar into its own separate entity. What do you think of the solar stocks here? You know, but I don't not just Sun Power specifically, but they've come down a long ways. They were unbelievable performers through the summer, and it has been an ugly couple of months here. Maybe, you know, it was the leaders to laggards trade because this was definitely a leader back in September. You know, you look at where Sun Power was, and if we just go out, you can see it there. If we go out to the dailies, I mean, just yep. in September, we're up at $15. The leaders to laggards trade has hurt all the solar stocks as well. But at a certain point in time, even like First Solar, 
Like now it starts to get interesting. You know, I, I was played it a couple times and I snuck out perfectly on that one candle there when I had the, the news on the tariffs. Um, so I'm not in any solar stock here right now, but I want to be. I still believe longer term in solar. I don't know if it's going to be a first solar. I think, you know, maybe we've got to get uh, Gordon Johnson here on the show so he can tell me which solar stock because he, he covers the show really well. Can we bring Gordo on sometime? Yeah, yeah. Let's get Gordo can. back on. I want to know because, you know, Gordo's helped us a lot on this show. He actually does his homework and he's, he's often right. I mean, he's very outspoken. And yes, his price targets are crazy sometimes. But I mean, he he's, does his research and he knows his stuff really well. And he knows the solar sector really well. So I think before I give any opinions on which solar stock um, I'd like to own, I think I want to hear from Gordo again. But uh, TAN, I mean, if you just want to own them all, I can buy the, obviously, the ETF. But I don't know. What are your thoughts here, Joe, on the sector? Uh, like when I'm looking at this first solar chart, I just kind of like, like wake me up, you know, like in the middle uh, of uh, 2000. You know, it's been a range. Uh, and really since 17, early 17, that range has been 40 to 80. So you're moving into the, you know, lower, a lot of monthly supported 40 here. But, uh, you know, when you get the, just the blooms off the flower. I mean, you came off that 180 plus high and all the way down under $20. You've been trying to battle your way back. I mean, you know, just t- Bus above 80, and we haven't seen 80 in quite some time here. I'd be interested in this in the lower 40s uh, based on the monthly lows. Uh, there was another headline I wanted to discuss, and I just now lost it. I Let's go to Disney. Oh. Yeah. You got Disney it, Plus coming. I was looking. Look at the lineup. They got some shows going to be on this Disney Plus. Like I was looking from a kid's perspective. If you got kids. Because I look at Netflix and I try to find something for my kids to watch and there's some shows on there. I look at this list and you can just Google like Disney Plus, like what's confirmed to be on there. So, um, you know, I can do that too for you too. But um, it's, it's an impressive lineup if you've got kids. Like I look at this and I think I might actually pay for this myself. I might actually subscribe to this. Um, this service. But you got kids. But you got kids. So, yeah. but, but you know what, if you, if you got like, if you're a Star Wars fanatic, maybe you're going to want to subscribe for that. If you know, you like your heroes movies, a lot of teenagers like all that stuff here too. But I mean, so, cause they got all the Marvel stuff, obviously, you know, the Iron Man, the Avengers, they've got all that stuff. I mean, there's just a ton of Spider-Man. Then they got all the Disney uh, Star Wars movies, obviously. And some, they've got, you know, some of their own original series that they're going to be putting on there too. They have all the Pixar stuff like Cars, A Bug's right. Life. Let's- you know what? Let's, story. Get, I, let's get Ivan's thoughts on this. Yeah, for sure. So I do want to bring him on our guest today. Ivan Feinseth. He is a partner and CIO at Tigris Financial Partners. Joins us show periodically. And I, I know he does have some thoughts here on, on uh, Disney Plus and the streaming wars. Ivan, good morning. Thank you. How are you? Uh, good. Ivan, uh, I was saying at the top of the show, I, I just can't wait until uh, Wednesday and the Disney Plus launch happens and we can stop talking about this because it's been nonstop for the past few weeks here. But I, I guess heading into tomorrow when Disney Plus launches, what are your thoughts on the streaming space and Disney Plus and how that relates to Netflix and, and Roku, et cetera? I can't wait to watch the new show, The Mandalorian. Yeah, I me mean, neither. I, I don't know there, if you've there seen you go. the trailer, but that trailer alone is going to sell a lot of Disney subscriptions. Disney, well, there you go, Disney Joel. Plus. Even It's not just for kids. I was just saying like the Star Wars you know, fanatics, and I, I saw that trailer too. It looks good, Ivan. It looks incredible. And that's, I think, just a little kind of taste of things to come. 
by the way, I think that is being produced at 20 million per episode. So there's a lot of money Ooh. and a lot going into that. It's also directed by John Favreau. And then uh, I think in December, you they will add um, Avengers Endgame, which is now the uh, number one box office grossing movie of all time, surpassing now a prior Disney movie um, owned by Disney, uh, uh, Avatar. And then we have Avatar 2 coming out, I think, next year. So uh, Disney is the king of content, and content is king in the streaming world. Wars and uh, I think Disney will out Netflix. Netflix, I think they will more than surpass their projected 60 to 90 million global subscribers by the end of uh, 2024. I think that they will have over um, probably 160 million. And uh, the problem with Netflix is not that people will leave because people will subscribe to multiple services, but Netflix will probably have to start to lower the price or discount or promote more to maintain its subscriber base. For example, right now, Netflix is uh, $13 a month. They may say to try to lock people down, I'll, I'll give you, um, which is $156 a year. If you sign up for 12 months right now for $99, you lock in the, you know, a lower price. So Netflix is going to have to compete harder on price and promote more to maintain subscribers and also invest in original content where Disney's whole business is creating original content. And the other benefit of Disney Plus is it's gonna help Disney in all its other areas. It will drive people to visit the theme park. It will drive people to buy Disney merchandise based on Star Wars, Marvel, the Disney shows. The other show I'm interested in on in Disney Plus is Jeff Goldblum's uh, The World According to Jeff Goldblum on National Geographic, which is kind of where he, just wanders around examining uh, different things. This lineup, I'm just look, looking through like the confirmed shows here, Ivan, on Disney Plus, and like I've got a one year, a two year old, and a five year old, and I look at this and I think, man, you know, I've got less, you know, there's so many different movies, like even the animated movies, there's so much stuff on here, the potential for them to watch, like so much more than Netflix, because I've got Netflix right now. And I struggle for my two and my five-year-old to find like, you know, really, you know, stuff that, you know, is safe content for them. Because some of these stuff that Netflix has as kids isn't, shouldn't be watched by kids. Um, you know, some of it, you know, there was one like The Last Kid on the Earth and, you know, it's about zombies and stuff. I'm like, and it's a cartoon, but I'm like, holy, you know, that's definitely should be marked like teenagers, not under 13. Uh, yeah. No, I think you, you can segment stuff for different age groups. You can sign in as kids. But yes, uh, Disney for young children, Disney has the most content because um, like Bob Iger said in the uh, launch of Disney Plus that I was lucky enough to attend back in April, he said he took his grandchildren to see Cinderella and his grandparents had taken him many years ago. So five generations of his family have seen that movie, which is still as impactful when it was then as it is today. So Disney's content is also timeless. All right, one more on this, and then we'll move on to other stocks. Okay. Uh, but th this, to me, sums it up. Is hey, we got Walgreens news here. We just uh, we just popped up four bucks on this. All right, let's take a look. At Sorry the about that, Ivan. To make a form KKR, of KKR coming in oh, with the bids. We talked about this on the show a half an hour ago, saying I like the setup. Oh, now it's going. Sorry, Ivan, to take over with the. No, but I actually could segue into, I think the play here is actually CVS. So I'm happy for Walgreens and the Walgreens shareholders, but there's a huge opportunity in CVS. How so? 
First of all, the, the um, above market bid on Walgreen highlights the value there, but CVS's business model from the, the new business model with the combination of CVS and Aetna creates the healthcare delivery and service model of the future. When they merged, you combined one of the largest payers of healthcare services with one of the largest providers of healthcare services. And CVS is innovating on so many fronts, including uh, working with UPS on drone delivery, same day drone delivery of prescriptions and these new health hubs. So they're adding minute clinics to a lot of the CVS stores where you can get acute care. And also these new health club, health hubs will be an expansion of a full service medical delivery facility where they can do blood tests and other type of work. So which in, if you have uh, Aetna will be covered by your Aetna insurance. All right, uh, let's go on to some other ones. I want to talk about Boeing here. Uh, always, we haven't actually talked about this one for a while on our show. More headlines, give us an update here on what you see in Boeing. Well, uh, right now they're looking for to get approval to start delivering planes because they've still been making you know, 42 uh, maxes a month and they are piling up at the, uh, in the Boeing parking lots. They want to start to deliver them to their customers even before they get FAA approval so that when they do, the customers can uh, get these flights back in, sir, get these jets back into service as fast as possible. But I've always said you want to buy a good company when they're going through a bad time, which is the case of Boeing. And the key thing is that there's been no cancellations of any of the MAX jets because the airline industry is so capacity constrained that they desperately need more planes. And these are more technologically advanced fuel efficient planes that can help the airlines meet the, the, the capacity demand. So you would just set it and forget it? You would just buy it? Uh, I would buy it on Boeing throughout all of this weakness. These planes will eventually return into service. And uh, the stock, I think the day they announce they return to service, the stock will be up significantly. And then probably you can see a new high within six months well, after that. So yeah, but, it's not gonna... but when's that day going to come at this point? It's been months. Well, they're saying now, hopefully before the end of the year. All right. Right. I've heard that before. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, um, Ivan, is there anything to like here with, with the gap? No. No? <laughs> I, I think uh, there are a big delineation between good retailers and bad retailers. One of my favorite retailers is Nordstrom. And by the way, when other retailers are closing stores, Nordstrom's just opened a new uh, 340,000 square foot store in uh, Midtown New York City on 57th and Broadway, seven floors, a lot of shoes and seven restaurants. So uh, they, they also are opening the, what they call Nordstrom Local, which are very small footprint stores where people can pick up things, return things and have alterations done and also have um, work with stylists to um, kind of pick out things that are just right for them. So uh, Nordstrom's continues to try new things and grow and open stores while other companies are clothing store, clothing, closing stores. And Gap, uh, I mean, just does not have a kind of va unique value proposition. They don't have a unique shopping experience and they don't leverage any kind of real customer loyalty program the way let's say Nordstrom does or even Macy's does. We're on the line with Ivan Feinseth. He's a partner and CIO at Tigris Financial Partners. Uh, let's talk 
one of your favorite stocks here, Garmin. And uh, your ears must have been ringing the other day because uh, with the acquisition of Fitbit by Google here, uh, we had some people on the show who were saying, hey, watch out, Garmin. Here comes Google getting in your, uh, getting into your sandbox. Uh, price action hasn't really indicated about that. Talk about the uh, Google takeover of Fitbit, potent- potential ramifications on Garmin, G-R-M-N. Good for Garmin. Here's the thing. The fact that uh, Google bought Fitbit and Apple focuses on the Apple Watch and the whole, it's all about smart wearables as the uh, really key way people can monitor fitness and health. And Garmin has one of the broadest and most technologically advanced line of smart wearables. So the more companies that get into smart wearables, the bigger the market grows. Garmin, uh, I think, will dominate so many niches. And if you are really passionate about your pursuits, with Gar- which Garmin customers are, you are going to go to the Garmin uh, brand, you know, the Garmin line of smart wearables, the top end line, the Mark line, or the Phoenix line, or the, even the, the Vivo line. And they have smart wearables. They have fitness trackers that start at $80 and watches that go up to $2,500 right now. They also are working with University of Kansas Medical Center to study, uh, you know, the data produced by smart wearables and effects on sleep apnea and AFib and things like that. So it is all about the focus of healthcare. And I think Garmin will be the leading niche player for people who have strong passion and commitment for smart wearables. One other thing that was missed in that is that Garmin announced uh, last week this new emergency automatic flight landing system for small planes and jets. Basically, if the pilot were to get into trouble and become incapacitated, he could press an emergency button or a passenger can press the emergency button. This system will automatically seek out the closest airport and totally autonomously land of the plane. All right, Ivan, I want to get to a couple more here. Uh, let's talk about Yelp. We actually didn't cover Yelp earnings last week on the show, uh, but give us a high-level overview on Yelp. Um, I guess they liked it? Yes. Well, you know, when companies have a high level of short interest, as Yelp does, and they report some good news, the stocks tend to pop. Yelp is still the go-to site for information on um, – you know, restaurants and uh, attractions and um, many businesses, I think Yelp ends up getting bought by either Booking.com or Groupon. Booking.com owns OpenTable, so there would be a great synergy between Yelp and OpenTable. And also Groupon is, you know, looking to continue to increase penetration to small businesses that are very dependent on Yelp reviews for, um, you know, customer flow. And then one more here. One of my favorite uh, apps to browse and waste time on is Zillow. I don't like Zillow. You don't like Zillow? Why not? Nah, I, I think that um, it's, first of all, they have gone into the what you would call the house flipping business, which taking inventory, which you know has risks. And I think the valuation is unsustainable. And while they do market well, and if you're looking for a house, it's a lot of times it's going to take you to Zillow. You'll see uh, ads for it in Google. But um, there are a lot of other websites, including, you know, the multiple listing websites that the realtors use that have, you know, customer uh, portals. So uh, they got competition. 
it's a highly valued stock. And again, it was one quarter of good news. It has a short interest level of 40%. So a lot of people don't believe in the sustainability or this, uh, they can justify the value. And I would agree. And the fact that they're taking principal risk on homes uh, instead of just being a service company adds to the risk in the stock. All right, Ivan Feinseth is a partner and CIO at Tigris Financial Partners. Ivan, thanks so much for the time today. Thank you. All right, uh, 8.52 here uh, on this mo snowy Monday morning. Snowy, I know. Did you tell right. everybody about the snow here? Yeah, we and got snow, folks. It's heading. If you're on the East Coast, it's heading your way uh, is yep. all, all I can say. It snowed in Wisconsin yesterday, Michigan this morning. Um, so get ready for that because winter is, winter is here. It's coming for – East coaches, but it is here for us in the Midwest here. So, uh, Joel, is there no school? Is there no school on Veterans Day? I can't even remember. Is there a school? I don't remember. <laughs> it's not, it's not there's school on Remember. We call it Remembrance Day in Canada, and we have school. So oh, okay. Because sure. I, uh, are in school. It wasn't Jay even a snow day. Yep. Uh, because uh, Jason was in the chat and he said, say hello to uh, Josh. So, uh, I didn't know if Josh was playing hooky with Jason today or, uh, or you had not can't be well, now the school knows that he was playing hooky. That wasn't nice of you. They listen to the pre yeah. They, they uh, probably do. Robin says we have school and snow. Ivan Forey says school today. So school day. School. All right, Josh, you better get to class here. I don't want to get uh get Jason <laughs> in trouble. Uh Dennis, the Walgreens boots news kind of broke on us. Can you here. believe that? We just talked bullish on the show. <laughs> 20 minutes ago about this and i was like i kind of like this i was thinking after the show i might actually buy some of this because i kind of like the setup and then it breaks during the show What's the odds of that so hopefully some people bought that did we talk bullish about the thing 20 minutes ago maybe a couple of people bought the thing but anyways 59 24 um was where it closed i kind of like the setup because you had the wild card of potentially a suitor being out there well now we get a rumor that there is a potential suitor out there so it's up three bucks I'm not chasing it now but I liked it at the close of 59.24. So now I don't know. I mean, now I guess the trade's over. Would have been nice if they would have did that during the day because I might have bought some of this today at 59.24. Spike to 65 on that. Uh, we peeled over back $2.5 from there. So we'll see. What happened? Uh, I'll just use that high from last week. I see that we got over that. Last week, you got the 64.50, and then today, you got the 65. So right now, that's the area. If you rally another two, two and a half bucks, that's an area of resistance, though. But when I was reading in Barron's, uh, it was going to take more than, uh, you know, the current price where it's trading. So we'll see what happens, see if any other potential suitors come in. I mean, what's Warren have, like a – 128 billion in cash or something like that i mean is this one he wants though like i just I don't know about this why do people want this that's what i yeah would, it's cheap what I yeah. Too. is that oh. what you were thinking too yeah like yeah. this isn't a huge growth industry it's still under attack from amazon no matter you know even though the stocks have performed okay lately but everybody's talking about oh cvs and walgreens boots these are the two stocks you get on the drugstore is on the corner with physical locations. I mean, they're still under attack. The business models are still under attack here. Yeah, you know, it's in place. I'm definitely not coming in here and shorting Walgreens. Obviously, I was saying I don't mind the setup here because the value trade's back in play. But these are the kind of stocks you want to put in your long-term portfolio. A CVS saying, yeah, this is the future. I, I, I don't, don't see it. I, you know, I if, if you're putting your investing hat on, I don't see it. 
I can understand the appeal for private equity because there's definitely value if you strip it for parts, but I can't understand why like a, a Berkshire would- Yeah, would come in and say, this I, is a great business model going forward. Let's have a more physical drugstores, you know? Because yeah. they're on every corner. I mean, how many corners do you look at? There's a CVS on one corner, Walgreens on the other corner. There's a Rite Aid on a lot of these too. And Rite Aid obviously we know has not performed very well at all. It's been the dog of dogs. Um, I don't know. I don't want to use my long-term portfolio. So when I'm talking Walgreens, I'm not saying throw it in your long-term portfolio, great investment. I'm saying I liked it for a trade because there was a potential suitor out there. Well, it's already been announced. That trade's over. So 20 minutes later, that trade's over. But I, I can't see. I don't know why everybody's interested in buying this thing. That's all. Have you been to a CVS lately? They are so expensive. It is so, everything is so expensive. And they're selling, like, think about it. Like, do you need to go to a CVS? Like Walmart's selling your Meyer's got no. your pharmacies. I, I mean, everybody I, sells I, your I, prescriptions. Yeah, what do you I, need I, those I, for? Once a, once a month for something or other. And it's it the same thing in Canada. We got the shoppers drug marts on every corner. And they, they do well. The shoppers went private there a while ago. Similar business. I mean, I guess, you know, it's your local pharmacy and they're always going to be business. But I don't see the growth industry. I don't see it as like, this is something, you know, I think about when I want to invest in, I want growth at a reasonable price. Those are the stocks I love, like the Googles and the Apples. Those are growth at a reasonable price. I just don't see the growth in the CVS. So why do I want to invest in that? That's why I don't have like, you know, these, if I have stocks and you want yield, you know, and you say, oh, but it's got a 2.77% dividend. If I really want yield, I go buy a preferred stock where I get five, six, 7%. That feels better. That feels competitive with the market. You're buying a stock for three percent dividend, and that's all you're going for. You might as well go buy. You can buy treasury bonds, you know, the long term, and you can get that. So, I, I just don't see why you're going to buy stocks for two point seven seven percent dividends, or in Walgreens' case, I guess the dividend's a little higher, two point nine two. But yes, they're value stocks. Yes, they're cash flow cheap. They're cheap for a reason. Uh, one more I want to hit on. Have you guys heard about the Starbucks that's opening in Chicago, the world's largest Starbucks, a forty three thousand square foot coffee shop slash cocktail bar slash roastery slash everything it's going to be open on everything open on the miracle mile on friday magnificent mile excuse me how big my reference is mixed up the magnificent mile on friday in chicago fifth forty three thousand square feet that's as big as a walmart yep it's four stories i think where is it in chicago it's going to open right where the uh the crate and barrel used to be really yeah. At how many square feet? 43,000. How big is your typical wall? It's got to be the size of a Walmart. Like when you think about square footage. It's huge. I don't it's know. bigger how... than a Walmart. So why do those Supercenter Walmart? Walmart square foot. Why is there a need for a four-story Starbucks? That's crazy. That's huge. I don't know. I guess just to say they did. Well, Walmarts vary from 30,000 up to 206,000. I've never seen a 206,000 square foot Walmart. but <laughs> No, wait. That's wrong. 2,800, 20,000. Average store covering 100,000. Okay, so they're not big as, as big as Walmart, but big. Big coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's a big fun story. Expensive. What about Starbucks chart? Talk the Starbucks chart. It's been ugly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and this this news doesn't $5 make- coffee cooling off? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just sitting at the lows of the move, right? I haven't looked at Starbucks lately here. You better hold $82. Well, you're already under 82. Where are the lows from yesterday? Uh, 81.45. I'll go with last week's low at 81. It, you're finding buyers. You know, this is the kind of chart where you, you have some patient buyers here. You're working on three monthly red candles here. So what did we close last month at? Uh, we closed last month at 82, 84.58. So 
I don't know. I'd have to see it close above that before I get uh, wildly bullish here in Starbucks. A real quick uh, energy sector look. Oh, I'm sorry. It's 9 o'clock. I just looked at this Apache. Look at Go ahead. I just looked at a Apache here. Mm-hmm. And um, someone mentioned in the chat, man, it needs to get to 25. I'm just looking at that uh, as resistance. The high from last week, 2508. I mean, oil just seems to be in a range. I'm yeah. just, yeah, not running out and, and buying these stocks. Right just now. remember, too, um, it's still going to be tax loss selling season coming here for a lot of these stocks the next month. This is a stock that has not been good this year either. All the oil stocks could be prone to a little bit of tax loss selling. Not quite starting yet, but I would say in the next few weeks, you're going to start to see that trend where maybe some of the laggards of the year actually start to go back. Cause we've seen this leaders to laggards trade. I think, you know, the seasonality of it could make that trade naturally come off. If obviously, unless these things really start ripping and they become actual winners on the year, but some of these stocks are still, even though they've had rallies, I mean, you look at where it was in the summer it was 37 bucks APA. And you look at, you know, a lot of the other oil stocks like Halliburton, it's the same story. I mean, yes, they've shown some life, but this still just feels not much more than a dead cap bounce. All right, uh, Spencer. You yeah, wanna... uh, I want to make one quick announcement before we go. And so we've been promoting the uh, the Global FinTech Awards next Tuesday. I've been offering a promo code and a discount uh, for the past few weeks. Well, I made some calls over the weekend. I t- twisted some arms, made some phone calls, and I got a better discount, actually as good a discount as you could possibly get. So I'm going to drop the link into the chat now that goes directly to the Eventbrite page. Mm-hmm. If you go to uh, fintechawards.com, promo code PMPVIP, that does not get you 20% off. It does not get you 30% off or 40% or 50%. It gets you 100% off your ticket. You guys are crazy. How do you make money just giving tickets away? Dude, I, because <laughs> We just I, want to meet people. You. I twisted, We're just meeting people. I twisted some arms. That's what I told You're awesome. PMP. To be honest, though, if you're in that area and the ticket's free, like I would totally go. Well, I am going. I mean, I'm flying hang in out, to go to it. Hang out with Joel and Dennis uh, for a few hours next Tuesday at New World Stages in New York City. Uh, FintechAwards.com, promo code PMPVIP. There you go. This is a week from tomorrow. A week from tomorrow. Yes. Uh, so... I better start getting prepping up some of these uh, yeah, presentations me, I'm going to do. Me this too. might be prep week for me. <laughs> me too. Uh, so that's my announcement. Uh, the links are in the chat there. Uh, I want to thank our guest today, Ivan Feinseth. Thanks to all of you in our chats on YouTube and premarket.benzinga.com. Catch our podcast wherever podcasts are available. And please remember all, all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only and not for investment or trading advice. Uh, again, happy Veterans Day. Thanks to all of our veterans out there for your service. Everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you on Tuesday.